going to find out a little bit today about God's armor uh, and how we can put it on. Uh, now, you know that that's metaphorical. You don't have to go around with, uh, with an Iron Man suit on or to wear uh, a Roman, uh, Roman suit of armor. Uh, but it, this is the next section in our study of Ephesians. So uh, I hope that you're, you're living out what Paul has been teaching us in this letter. It's, it's really transformational. When you commit your life to following God, when you've accepted his love and grace in your life, then it, it changes who you are. Uh, you and, and so just some of the things that we've learned along the way here, uh, you, you're chosen, you are adopted, uh, you've been brought near, not kept at a distance. God has personally designed you, and so you take off your old identity and, and put on your new self, and, and that changes how you live. We've, uh, we've walked through a lot of the details of what that should look like in our lives, and, and now we get to Paul's conclusion, uh, or at least his last point. He starts the uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, with the word, finally. Uh, you're thinking, oh good, this is finally the last sermon, and really there's one more next week. So uh, we're not quite there. I, I don't know if you've, you know what it means when a pastor says finally or in conclusion, Absolutely nothing is what it means. So uh, I think you already did know that. You just didn't want to say it out loud. But um, when, when, for Paul here, it means that we're heading into the final stretch, so to speak. Uh, that it, it, he's maybe, maybe he saved the best for last. And although Iron Man uh, kind of showed us this and, and, and looked at that, I want you to uh, read through this again as we look at this armor that we're supposed to put on, the armor of God as part of this, uh, the, what, what God has, has, has given to us as part of this new identity that we have. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, of course, it'll be up on the... Uh, up on the, the wall here for you, but also if you have your own device or there's Bibles there, you brought a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to grab that and pull it out and, and, and uh, let's look through it together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything... To stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Paul starts these, these, uh, uh, his closing thoughts, he says, and finally, and then he gives this two-word command, uh, be strong. It's an instruction, it's an expectation, it's a challenge. He's throwing down the gauntlet, he says, do this, be strong. Why? Why do we need to be strong? Because living out of this new identity in Christ isn't easy. There's opposition out there. We have an enemy that wants to take us down. Without that enemy, the devil, we, we wouldn't need the command to be strong, uh, or we and we wouldn't need this armor that would make us strong. There wouldn't be a battle, but, but, but this says that the devil is there, and, his, and he's got like schemes and flaming arrows and stuff, right? I mean, and again, metaphorical, but, but uh, the devil would like nothing better than to tempt us into sin, to bring the consequences of sin into our lives here and now, and also spilling over into eternity 
We have to realize that there is a war that is being fought every minute. And it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle for our souls. And this passage says that it is playing out in heavenly realms. And all that sounds all sci-fi and, and a, a little bit uh, funky. And, 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 uh, and yet, uh, I would challenge you to, to, to say that the things that are happening spiritually are even more real than the things that we can see and touch and feel. Uh, this, this term heavenly realms is used only by Paul in scripture and actually only in the book of Ephesians. I don't know if you've been paying attention along the way, but if we flip back through, we have seen this term several times in Ephesians when Paul is talking about things in the heavenly realm. He's thinking about this reality that, 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 that goes beyond or past or is more real even than the reality that we see. In, in chapter 1 verse 3, he says, Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, and we said that one of our, one of our uh, core identities is that we are blessed, blessed spiritually in the heavenly realms. Uh, same chapter, chapter 1, uh, verses 19 and 20, he's talking about the power of God. It's, like the, it's the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, uh, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. This is where, where Jesus is sitting with God currently in the heavenly realms. Chapter 2, verse 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Our, our new identity is that we're identifying with Christ even as he is seated in heavenly realms. Chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, uh, his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is very intent, very, uh, very dialed into what is happening spiritually, what is eternal, what will last and that includes the outcome of this spiritual battle that's taking place in heavenly realms. Things that are happening uh, on a spiritual level are more important. They're, I would even say they're more real than the things that we can see and touch and feel. Those, those are the things that have eternal significance. So Paul says that we need to be prepared for this war because we're in it whether we know it or not. It's going on whether we acknowledge it or not. Uh, and it's imperative that we win. And winning here is described by Paul as being able to stand. And... Um, and at first reading, I say, well, that's kind of raising the, uh, not raising the bar very high. All you need to do is to be able to stay standing. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that, I don't know, wrestling where you're just trying to knock somebody off. I mean, it's just, uh, you just have to stay. We ought to understand how they really, how they really fought back then. And, and it, it kind of sounds like it's a defensive posture even. Like we're just playing defense, we're not playing offense. We're just kind of trying to hold in there and hang on tight and, and let the devil bring it and maybe we can almost somehow crawl our way out and still be alive at the end of this war. That is not the picture that Paul is, is, is painting here. It's actually uh, a picture on offense, and if we uh, knew anything about the Roman Empire and how they fought, uh, we would catch that. So uh, the Ephesians that would have read this first would have had, uh, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been the picture that they would have had. They would have had this picture of the Roman army and how they fought. Um, if, you've, if you've read all that, you can come and tell us about it. Now, I'll just tell you a little bit of, a, of, of part of what they did in, uh, in the Roman armies. Each soldier was trained to protect a certain space around him. 
And anyone that would enter into that space, uh, he would defend that space literally to the death. And so he had a certain assigned area. And, and, and those, uh, he was assigned that area, but he wasn't on his own because uh, they were kind of arranged in squares or rectangles of people. And uh, they were kind of in a checkerboard. So there was somebody up there and somebody here and then here and over here. And so each one was responsible for a certain area right around them. And then the whole group would move forward into battle together. And as they marched forward, if anyone, if any, uh, any enemy entered into his space, that that you were to defend that space to the to the death. You were to uh, if if you were at, at the end of that. If you were still standing, then you were still part of this onslaught that's moving forward, that's taking ground, that's 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 winning, that's on offense, and you're still standing and you're moving on to the next and and you're moving through. So so this was the, as they as they stood their ground together. They move forward and they, they achieved victory. And so that's the goal. That's what, that's what this passage is all about. We need to stand our ground. Four different times in three verses, Paul talks about standing. Standing our ground. Standing firm. After you've done everything, stand. That's the goal. That's winning. Give no ground to the enemy of your soul. You can stand. So in that instruction, we see something that maybe we don't, live out and that is that it is possible to resist temptation and to not give in God expects us to put up a fight against sin you know that right I mean it's, we, we need to we, we're not just kind of letting it roll over us or oh that's just I mean I think the problem with many people is that that they they don't fight back or they think that sin is inevitable oh I'm just gonna give in anyway so why even try but, but God is bigger and stronger than the devil and any temptation that he could ever bring. So no matter what happens, Paul says, be strong. Uh, James 4, 7 even tells us that, that uh, we need to resist the devil, and when we do, he will flee from us. I think we get this picture that the devil is coming after us, and we need to hunker down and maybe run away. And uh, I don't know, but my mind goes to the Monty Python, the Holy Girl, run away, run away. But that's... That's just me, and those of you that don't relate to that, that's good, because um, you're not twisted in that way as I am. But uh, you, it's not that we're running away from the devil. This says if we stand up to him, if, if, we, if we stand our ground, that he will literally run away from us. He will flee. We can be strong in the face of opposition in this eternal battle that's going on around us. This tells us something about our identity. That's our whole theme, right? Ephesians talks about our identity, who we are, and, and how that changes as we, as we are children of God. Uh, you are strong. You're a warrior. You can stand victorious. And, and knowing that can change a whole lot. Because if I see myself as strong, then maybe I do have a shot at this. And maybe I can stand strong. And maybe I should resist this temptation. And, and maybe I should uh, make it through this suffering and this difficulty that I'm going through. Because I'm strong. And, and, and Paul says, you are strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty face. He says, uh, when you're under attack, when, there, when there's uh, pressure and problems and pain and persecution and, and, and temptation, you can stand your ground and not give in. If you see that as your identity, then you're, you can see that you're strong and you can, you can resist. How does this work? Well, Paul says that it's all about putting on armor. Of course, metaphor. We're not talking about you know, walking out of here and 
going and buying a suit of armor. Um, if you do, it's kind of weird. So don't do that. But uh, we are not intimately familiar with the armor that the Roman soldier would have worn. Uh, but again, the, 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 the Ephesians that were reading this letter for the first time would have known exactly what Paul's talking about when he's talking about the, uh, uh, the belt that, the, that, that they wore and the, the breastplate and the, the, the uh, helmet and all those sorts of things. They would know exactly what he was talking about. And, and at the time that, that Paul is writing this, uh, he's in Rome and uh, he's awaiting trial and he's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week by Roman soldiers. It's, it's very possible that he was literally chained to uh, a Roman guard all day, every day for a couple of years. So he was intimately familiar with the armor that they wore. Uh, he even describes this in this list of armor that he lines out here in Ephesians 6. Uh, he, he actually describes it in order of how it would have been put on. Um, and although he doesn't include every piece of armor that, that a soldier wore, I'm sure he had hours to think and contemplate and reflect on uh, how, oh wow, well that's kind of like, and, and he would draw these spiritual analogies uh, from looking at these, uh, these soldiers and the armor that they wore and how that relates to our spiritual lives. So, so in order to be strong, to stand your ground, to win in the struggle uh, that we have, this battle in the heavenly realms, we need to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and, and the, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace and, and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and, and we need to take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of, I mean it's quite a list. You see the guy there, he looks strong, right? Uh, I've preached multiple week series on this list of armor. It's, it's actually a great object lesson. It's been, uh, uh, it's, it's part of, uh, uh, been part of Sunday school lessons probably for a couple hundred years. This is one of the, the top tier, probably top five lessons because it, uh, we can relate to it and it's, it's just, it's, it's fun to, uh, to walk through that. I, I could take a couple of Sundays on each one of these things, right? Um, and I've, probably only have time for a couple of sentences on each one of these things today. So, uh, so I, I would encourage you if, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, summer of, of 2017, we, well, this was our series for a, a couple of months in the summer, and if you want to uh, dive deeper into this, uh, you can dial those up on, our, up on our website on the listen page there. Uh, of course, there's, there's uh, resources everywhere all about it, but um, rather than looking detail about each one of these pieces of armor, I want us to see some, some spiritual truths and principles today that come from this, this idea of wearing the armor of God. The first is that the armor is God's, not mine. We got to realize that this is not my armor. This is God's armor. This is not your armor. It's God's armor. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's God's power. It's not your power. When you're told to be strong, it's, it's only in God's mighty power. No amount of psyching yourself up. Okay, you can do that. You stand in the mirror and you're quoting uh, you know, affirmations to yourself in the morning. You, can, you are strong. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You can do, right? That's not what we're talking about here. It's not that, okay, you can do this. Uh, that's not, that's not going to lead to anything uh, uh, productive on the spiritual level. If you do that, that's fine. That's good. That's, you can psych yourself up. But it's, that's not what Paul's talking about. You, you can't do this on your own, but you can rely on God's power to do it for you. But Paul even prayed uh, for this to be true clear back in chapter one um, uh, 
verses 18 to 20, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him as, at his right hand, where? In the heavenly realms. Right? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is available to us. Be strong. How? With God's mighty power. You don't have to give in to temptation because God is providing the power for you. Uh, it, it, it is enough. It is more than enough. And so ask him uh, to, to provide that power in your life. Ask him to sustain you. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you. You can do this in his mighty power wearing his armor. But... The second thing that I think is important here is that you have to put it on. We're challenged several times through this passage to, uh, to, to take up or to put on these various pieces of, of armor. God isn't going to dress you. <laughs> we are responsible to play a role in accessing this, this power of God. It takes effort. It's not just something that happens to us. The, the items of, of this armor are available to us, but they do us no good if we're not developing them in our own lives, if we're not intentional about putting them on. More than once in, uh, in high school, I, um, I got to the locker room uh, before a basketball game or a soccer game, and I realized that I had forgotten a part of my uniform. Uh, I remember one time, I think it was my cleats, and before a basketball game, that was really weird, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, But uh, I remember not having the right uniform, like I brought the away uniform, and it was a home game, or vice versa, and and, uh, so I wasn't wasn't prepared, and and there were a couple of times when when I actually couldn't play, because there wasn't any way to get that, and we all had to have the same, same stuff. Uh, it made me hypervigilant uh, after a couple of times that I was going to check and recheck and double check and, and quadruple check to make sure that I had everything. Uh, you see, I had been provided everything that I needed, but I couldn't participate because I hadn't done my part. The coach wasn't going to provide the uniforms and bring them with him and dress each one of us before the game, right? Uh, we had the responsibility of taking care of and putting on what had been provided. And I think that carries over to our spiritual lives. Being victorious in our spiritual lives, not giving in to temptation, standing our ground, it takes effort on our part. We have to be intentional. It doesn't just happen automatically. You won't wake up one morning and realize, wow, look at there, I'm, I'm wearing the full armor of God. There, there I am. Of course, I can't, you know, get around very much, clank, clank, right? No, I, it, it, we're, we're growing in these things. We're developing them. We're ready for battle. We're wearing the armor. That, that only happens when we're intentionally developing these character qualities and, and, and when we're making the effort to, to put these things on, to in, incorporate them into our lives. God provides it, but we have to do, uh, it's not going to do us any good if we, don't, if we don't put it on ourselves. Here's another thing that, that I think we need to realize, and that is if you're not in the battle, you don't need the armor. Makes sense, Right? Maybe you're thinking, okay, okay, pastor, this is, uh, this is all well and good. Um, I don't really sense much resistance from the devil. I mean, he kind of leaves me alone. Guess I'm pretty cool, right? Well, I, I guess if that's true, then you don't need God's armor. Uh, problem is, 
the people that de- the devil leads alone are the people who aren't a threat to him. So if you're not interested in taking ground for God and if you don't want to resist temptation in your life and if you're not really up for following God with all of your heart, if, if, if you're not on a mission to love people to life, if you're not taking ground for, uh, for God and for his kingdom, then the devil will lead you alone, leave, leave you alone. That's, that's true. You won't need the armor because you're not in the battle. You're not a, you're not a threat. Actually, uh, probably almost say that that, uh, that you're kind of on, on the devil's side in that. Because, and here's another principle that we need to realize, and it falls right into our whole theme for the whole summer, and that is that the armor identifies you. Throughout history, arm, armies have always been identified by what they wear. There's a uniform or there's a, a certain uh, uh, look or logos or those kinds of things. And, and so uh, the, the, the uniform helps your brothers and sisters in arms to know who's on their side. And then they see the enemy and, and their uniform and they know who's on the enemy's side. And, uh, and so the enemy, what you're wearing, uh, determines or, or identifies who you are and who you're with, right? Uh, it's true in, in sports teams. I mean... If you're watching football this weekend uh, and nobody had uniforms on, they're just kind of you'd be you would know who's on whose team or who's doing what, right? Go Bucks! But um, the, uh, the if 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 you've got to have different uniforms to identify the different sides, whether it's sides or team. I mean, it goes far clear back as as you know uh, playing in the in the uh, neighborhood shirts and skins, right? We got to figure out who's on whose side, and we're identified by what we wear. In Paul's day, there was no mistaking a Roman soldier. I mean, the helmet and the metal breastplate and the shield and the sword. and I mean, it was unmistakable. There was no doubt who the soldiers were. And I think we need to realize that the same is true of these characteristics of pieces of armor that we are to wear as we stand for Christ. There should be no doubt whose side you're on. If people can't tell whether you're in the army of the Lord or not, you probably need to do some soul searching to see if you've actually really enlisted. Um, we've got to, it's God's armor, not ours. We've got to put it on. If we're not in the battle, then I guess we don't have to put it on, but when we do put it on, it identifies us for all to see. So, so qualities like truth and righteousness should characterize our lives. As a followers of Jesus. Accepting and acknowledging our salvation. That, that Jesus has forgiven our sin and, and saved our souls. That, that should be foundational truth of our lives. We are, we are people of faith. Trusting and believing in God and his promises. And, and therefore putting out the fiery arrows of doubt and worry and fear. We should be ready to bring the good news of the gospel to, to, to the people wherever we go. We should, we should wield the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. We should be known as people of the word. People of the Bible. These are things that identify us as well as things that protect us. There's an interesting thing about armor. Maybe... This wouldn't be news to you, but uh, usually armor is crafted to counter the anticipated weapons of the enemy. If my enemy is coming at me with a sword, I'll need a certain type of armor to defend against it. If my enemy has a rocket launcher, that changes what I, what I defend it with, right? I might have a, a, uh, a shield and another sword to combat the sword. I might have a tank uh, if, uh, if they're coming at me with something uh, with some firepower. 
So in looking at this armor of God, we can see how each one defends against the enemy's tactics and how we put it on in our lives. We, we need a belt of truth because the devil is the deceiver. The devil is the father of lies. He twists things just enough to deceive us. And so we need to be people of truth. And that protects us against the lies of the enemy. We need righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. Because sin has a way of bringing death and decay We need feet fitted with readiness. It says readiness to to bring the gospel of peace wherever we go because it's so tempting to just sit back and and not get the word out to others around us. We need a shield of faith to protect against doubt and fear and anxiety. We need a, a helmet of salvation to combat the belief that my sin is unforgivable. No, it's not unforgivable. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I'm, I'm called by, by uh, God has called me by name. I am his. He has forgiven me. I am saved. The helmet of salvation combats against the fact or the, the, the lie that, that our sin is unforgivable. And, and we need a sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Scripture says that, uh, that it thoroughly equips us to fend off the attacks of the enemy. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes intentionality to put this armor on. So many people are defeated spiritually because they don't know that there's a battle. Or they're not taking the time and the effort to wear the armor that God provides for us. If we would do that, we could truly do what Paul says and we could be strong. Well, how do we put on the armor of God? What, what is that all about? Well, I, it comes back to this, this identity of, of whose we are. We are God's and we are going to develop that relationship with him, allowing him to fill and, uh, and, and shape and change every aspect of who we are. Our identity is different, and, and in, in doing that, we've become uh, a child of God. We've become a soldier in the army of God, and we can be strong in his mighty power. I don't know if you think of yourself as a strong person or not. Truth is, uh, against the devil's schemes in the war in the heavenly realms, we really don't have a chance Unless we're relying on God's power, unless we're relying on these truths, these characteristics in our lives. When we do that, we have, we have more than a chance. The scripture says we'll be victorious after everything, after the dust settles, we'll stand our ground. Who are you? What is your identity? You are strong in the Lord. You are strong in the Lord. So, Act like it. (laughs) Live like it. Put up the resistance. Put on the full armor of God, truth and righteousness. Live out the the, the good news of the gospel. Uh, Be characterized by faith. Uh, Rely on your salvation. Uh, Dive into scripture. All of those things. It's God's armor. You've got to put it on. Will you stand with me? This week, I don't know what, uh, what battles uh, you're walking into. You might not know what battles you're walking into. Um, what I do know is no matter what we face, that we can rely on God's strength, that we can be strong in him, in his mighty power to enable us to be and to do uh, more than we could ever possibly dream uh, or ask or imagine. Let's pray together. Father God, we give you our lives. 
We pray that, that, that you would develop your character in us, that, that you would protect us with your mighty power. Lord, I pray for, for those who may be struggling with temptation or struggling with, with uh, some type of suffering, Lord, that, that as we're walking through life and the, it just seems overwhelming, Lord, I pray that, that, that we can recognize that, that you are with us, that it is your strength, that you have equipped us to be your children, your soldiers, that after everything, we can hold our ground, we can persevere, we can be victorious. Lord, I pray that you'll give us a glimpse of that identity that we have in you, that you'll give us that, that hope that the battle belongs to you, that we can trust you, that we can, we can rest in and rely on your strength in the midst of difficulty. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, that, that it would be evident that we are... We are on your team. We are in your army. And that others would be drawn to you because of our influence. That, that they can recognize and see that, that, that you love them. And then you desire a, a, an abundant life for them as well. And Lord, I pray that as we go from here, we can recognize where you're leading us and how you're helping us. Lord, we thank you for your love and for your presence with us today and in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.